0: Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. I want to talk to you about frustration or a breakthrough moment. And David said in Psalms 2, he asked the question, he says, Why do the nations rage? Why do the nations rage? And uh, in Luke 21, we know that Jesus, talking about the close of the age, said this. He said that the seas would be roaring. And the seas stand for humanity, humanity roaring. And uh, this is a picture of a world or civil unrest or global unrest before the coming of the Lord. And I want to talk about our fight our fight with frustration, and um, we're witnessing a fresh generation, if you like, that is contending with itself, it's grappling, and it's fighting, I believe, with frustration, and there are many reasons for this. We get frustrated because of the barriers, the unfulfilled expectations, the delays, the stoppages. Uh, We're frustrated with the processes, and we're frustrated with the outcomes, and uh, where our expectation is up, and it's high, Yet the delivery of life goes low. That's the level of our expectation. And a loss of expectation, you'll find, always leads to disappointment. And disappointment begins to birth frustration, internal frustration, which leads to anger. And anger always leads to internal depression. And so we're seeing a dynamic today, I believe globally, uh, that, that we're beginning to see. Frustration today has been magnified. Um, you know, people can't see their way out. Uh, They can't do what they want to do. People can't go where they want to go because, you know, they can't be what they want to be. And frustrations is really interesting. We're frustrated with our situation, with our parents, with our children, with our siblings. Uh, You know, we're going through the same things time and time again, and nothing's changing. And my wife doesn't understand. And, you know, I don't feel valued or she doesn't feel valued. We're frustrated because, you know, I don't feel important. And they don't deem me to be important. frustrated with our careers. This is not what I sign up for. Really, a lot of people think in terms of that. This is not, you know, why is this happening to us? We're frustrated with the lack of support, perhaps government, legislation, policies, and, uh, and so forth. But, but frustration because you look at your life and you believe you should be further down the track and you're not. So you become frustrated with God and you become infuriated, if you like, or frustrated with yourself. And I want to talk about frustration today because it's actually a real genuine situation that a heck of a lot of people face today. And uh, we love to be in control. We love to be in control of our lives. And, you know, the, uh, things change so quickly and it's just like, you know. So anyway, so first up is Proverbs 13 verses 12. And here it runs like this way. Hope, hope or expectation and desire. Uh, when it is shelved and when it is stopped, it makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When you feel like your dream or your desire or your aspirations is bound up and tied out, tied up, it sends our inner world into a downward spiral, and the feelings of frustration. You know, we we feel at times that we want to quit, we want to bail. Uh, we're driven on the inside, and you know, to internalize. It tampers with our confidence. Uh, We experience aspects of stress and irritation. We feel sad. We feel uncertain, sometimes depressed or anxious. Uh, We feel powerless and out of control, and our whole world has been turned upside down. Very real dynamics around frustration that we feel from time to time. And you might be, for example, in a season of frustration, or you might tend towards frustration, generally speaking, and maybe you are an A-type personality a driven visionary, and it's just like life is on hold for you, and it's just like, come on. But let's look at this girl, let's look at this woman in scripture who, who was frustrated, I believe, or potentially could have been frustrated, but definitely had a frustrating circumstance. And she was fertile, at least we think anyway. And in a culture in, in Israel when a woman couldn't have children, there were things around that that were interesting. Um, you felt low significance. There was social shame. Often the men would blame the woman for it. There'd be comparisons. In those days, there were no medical clinics, uh, no provision to help. Uh, in a, a male-dominated culture, women were s- esteemed for servitude, serving their husbands, and also the ability to, to bring forth children. So if you can't bring forth children, you've only got half of what you're supposed to be. And of course, they weren't esteemed that well. But we know this woman was rich. The Bible tells us she was a wealthy woman. But I wonder what her world was like. I try to imagine what it would be like and being around her and the sort of the things that she would be going through. But that's like a a backdrop of why me? Is it my fault? Is it my husband's fault? What do my uh, my siblings think? What do my parents think? Family, you know, all these things are real questions and doubts. But she couldn't get what she believed she was entitled to, of course, is children. And so she's frustrated or potentially could have been frustrated. And that's like you and I. We have a desire. We have a wish. We have a dream. We have an aspiration. We go, We want to go from here to over there, and we can't do it but we've got this throbbing desire, this throbbing passion, this is where we need to be going. This is the sort of the outcome we're expecting and it's just not taking place. We're going around and around circles and what it does, it builds up the sense of frustration and frustration can be defined so clearly as this is what we desire and these kind of invisible or these visible visual barriers in front of us stopping us and preventing us and those barriers are hard to shift and it's like hitting our head up against the wall time and time and time again um so what had happened is this this lady uh she's a a believer if we think or or, or she had a lot of goodwill and what she did do she began to support the prophet Elisha Elisha would travel and on his way past her she had built an area where he could stay and a desk and a seat and, and and so forth it was really good Elisha says to his servant you know how can we bless this woman in return? She's been so good to us, so kind to us. What can we do? And uh, he says this. He said, I've noticed Gehazi, the servant, says, I've noticed she, she doesn't have a son. She doesn't have a, she, it doesn't say anything whether she has girls or not, but she doesn't have a son. And uh, so he calls her in, the prophet does, and he speaks to her and he says, you know what? And she stood at the door and he says this. He says, really, about this time next year, you'll have a child. And I notice in uh, uh, 2 Kings 4.16, it starts, it says, know my Lord, this is what she says as a response. Know my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maid servant." In other words, don't get my hopes up. One other translation says that. Don't get my expectations, don't get my hopes up. She couldn't have a kid, or she couldn't have a boy, or she wasn't having a boy, or uh, maybe uh, infertile, infertile. But what we're seeing, though, is the fact that this is a big issue, and her response is, "No, my Lord, man of God." So she's addressing him as a title, "The man of God." She knows he's a man of God. Do not lie (laughs) to your maid servant. She was faced with a frustration or a breakthrough moment. So we start it really quickly in Two Kings four, really interesting chapter, starting from verse eighteen. And the child grew. Now, it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers. And he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to the servant, he said, carry him in back to his mother. Verse 20. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knee until midday, and he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, the prophet, shut the door upon him, and went out. Verse 22. And then she called to her husband and said, husband, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and come back. Verse 23. So he said, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new, uh, the new, new moon or the Sabbath. And uh, so why? And then she says something remarkable. This was her response. She said it as well. It's really interesting. Why would you say that? Because she was obviously desperate. She was running. I mean, she's lost a child. But she's saying to her husband, who's kind of like saying, hey, look, don't worry about it. The prophet doesn't work these days. It is well. The reason is this because she knew respectfully that her husband could not bring her child back to life. It had to be a supernatural act. Notice she says it is well. She refused to waste time in unnecessary, you ready for this, unnecessary engagement. She had a vision. She had an aspiration. She had a dream. She had a desire. It was burning on the inside. Something needed to take place. She did not get distracted with an unnecessary engagement. Jesus faced that challenge, if you like, and she said it as well. In verse 24, then she saddled her donkey and said to the servant, now we begin to see what's really happening, drive and go forward and do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you she's earnest and she's desperate. That's really what's going on behind the scene. Verse 25, and she says, and and so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. Carmel in Hebrew means fertile land. So it was in verse 25, when the man of God saw her afar off, that he said to his servant Gehazi, look, the Shunammite woman, please, verse 26, run now to meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered the servant, and this is what she says. She said, it is well. Now, Gehazi is a, is a prophet in training. He's a prophet in training, and now she's saying to the, the guy, you'd think you would explain, hey, look, this is what's going on, man. This is, this is terrible. My son's died, and you know, Elisha prophesied that, and come on, help us. No, no, she didn't even. You know why? Because she's going straight to the source. She's telling the servant in training it as well because she wants her eyes are on the source and not on the servant. How many times do we look at the visible when we should be looking at the invisible? We look to the shadow of man, the frailty of man, when we need to look to the glory and the provision of Christ. In verse 27, it says this, Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has, not, has hidden it from me. He's not told me what's happening. You see, she caught him by the feet, which exposes her true state. She was in distress, desperate for an outcome. She fell at his knees. And the servant, believe it or not, pushing her away or, is like a distraction. Really interesting that he's supposed to represent God and profit and training. She was desperate. He got in the way. And I, I want to speak into this, but she got, um, Gehazar the servant, actually got in the way of a miracle. Uh, I noticed the disciples with the children, remember? You remember this in, um, I, or, or Blind Bartimaeus in, in Mark 10, when he cried out, Son of God, have mercy upon me, and the crowd tried to shut him down. They said, be quiet. And Jesus said, no, f- bring him, bring him, bring him, bring him forward. He was healed. And it's the children also, I think it might be in Luke, but Luke 19, uh, but the children were going to interface Jesus and they wanted to come to Jesus for laying hands. And, but then the disciples said, no, 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 children go. And Jesus said, look, he talked in terms of those children's angels interface with my father, bring the children here. And sometimes in our, uh, our quest or our earnestness or our zeal, we can actually uh, kind of get in the way of what God wants to do. And that's why sometimes if we don't have the answer for our people, it's best to say, the Lord hasn't spoken, let's wait on the Lord, let's hear from him, rather than just giving a glib answer to it and you know, a measure of comfort. I think we need to be hearing from God on these days, what are you saying, Lord, and, and definitely we don't want to be, I, I've seen it in calls when people have been overpowered by the Holy Spirit, they're weeping and crying. And what people do and what we do is we go up and comfort them and hug them and, and it's almost like we become an interference, we become a distraction and now we're moving them from a spiritual encounter to a soulless kind of, uh, you know, hugging and that sort of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with hugging people, you understand where I'm coming from, but I think we've just got to discern the moment. We've got to connect as leaders and people. Our role is to connect people to God and not get in the way. We're just the messengers. Anyway, so verse 28, really interesting. It says this. She said to him, did I I ask a son, O my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And verse 29 is interesting. Then the prophet said to Gehazi, notice he doesn't address her. He doesn't talk to her. He doesn't try and rationalize it or give a response or justify the the situation or or justify even God, but he turns to the servant. He says, get yourself ready and make my staff in your hand. Take it and be on your way. If you meet anybody, here we go again, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on his face, on the child's face. And the reason it is, this course, because... Of the time is the essence. Now he's saying don't engage. Again, it's a distraction. No, we need God. And at times, look, in these days, we actually need God. Uh, We can comfort one another, comfort one another with these words, Thessalonians. But essentially, we've got to connect people to God, the church. We must find God in this moment. Uh, families, husbands and wives, uh, business situations and financial uh, difficulties and crisis and health crisis. Uh, we can lean on each other and there's time for that, but essentially it's God that brings forth the miracle. We must go to the Lord. At some point, we must get on our knees and get our face before God and say, God, I'm looking to you as my source. David cried out. David, the psalmist cried out and he said, it is it is from God. God is where my help comes from. And uh, really interesting. So really... Then in verse 30, the mother of the child says this, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Again, she's sticking with the source. She's not going to leave him. She's stuck with the source. Is anything too hard for God? You know, he'll fight for our cause. He's the all-powerful one. Uh, With man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. She wanted to stick with the man of God. And that's a real picture of at the end of the day, we want to stick with the presence of God. During our battles, during our trials and tribulations, we want to be sticking in the presence of God and carry the ark of His presence right into that board meeting, carry the ark of His presence right into that conflict situation. We want to be carrying the presence of God, the Shekinah glory wherever we go. We want to be going with Him. We don't want our eyes off Jesus. Our eyes are on the prize, our eyes upon Christ. A very important principle I, I, we can see it in this. And in Hebrews 11:35, 35, it says, Woman received their dead back to life again by faith. Something within her, though, because of a focus, tells me this, that she had a, a belief that if God was going to be able to do it, he was going to be able to do it, and she was going to focus on him and not get distracted with anybody else. It would do well for us to see her as a great example, taking, talking our frustration and taking it up to God without the moaning or the complaining or the the gossiping or whatever it is and just undermining when things aren't going well for us honestly it is an invitation for God I want to say that again when things aren't going well for us we're going through a secret battle or a hidden battle maybe a battle of offense or a battle of conflict maybe it's a it's a traumatic uh, a battle with relationships or whatever it is what an opportunity to have God's grace what an opportunity to be empowered. What an opportunity to overcome and, and really break the shackles of darkness that wants to really bind us and hold us captive. What an opportunity to be able to establish a godly inheritance or a legacy of righteousness because we overcame bitterness. We overcame some, uh, some events, some crisis, or overcame that situation. We overcame it. And I want to encourage us every time we battle in, we've got, to, we've got to do the hard yards in the presence of God. It's so easy to fight common causes without the presence of God. It's so easy to get entangled in human fears. But I believe that we should go back. This is day more than ever before. We've got to be going back into His presence, the power of Jesus Christ, where He resides. And uh, hold your course. Don't waver. Abraham, waver not at the promises of God, but believe the saving of his soul. And that's important. So the big question is, and my question for you is this. When you're frustrated, do you shut down? Do you go the wrong way? Or do you cry out to God? So here's number one. Number one, don't allow frustration to cause you to react so that you do the foolish. There is a moment. Don't get distracted or caught up, but hold your course. Remember David, Psalms 121 verses 1, he said, My help comes from the Lord. The law will resolve it. You'll never, never get a resolve outside of the presence of God. You'll get a temporary measure. You'll get a fix. But ultimately, you'll get a permanent a permanent fix, a permanent establishment, a permanent resolve and settlement when the kingdom of God comes into that situation. And it's interesting that you and I become like the the channel or the bridge for the power of God to come. We're in a conflict situation, and we are the very bridge to have Jesus Christ come. Number two is use your frustration. I want to say this as a time of, or they say that you know, frustration is the mother of invention. It's time to be creative or innovative and, and improvise and out of frustration begin to invent. Ask God, Father God, okay, this is unfixable, this particular situation, and, but what can we do? What can we do? How can we get around this? How can we get through us for things that don't change? Uh, very important for us. And don't you know, underestimate, number three, don't underestimate the power of Christ to transform any situation. Uh, carry people in the spirit, carry people in faith because you see, essentially we want to be in control and that's a problem. So that's one of the reasons why we uh, are privy to frustration. We want to manipulate and control the situation. We want to force the hand of God and we want things going our way in our time and our season. But You know, God may have a secondary plan that supersedes our own wisdom and in our own plan but what it is is we try to control events and control our relationships control aspects of the church and different things but some things are out of our control and I can tell you this when we begin to give on the inside when we begin to forgive on the inside when we begin to trust God where we cannot trace him on the inside when we begin to let go on the inside not only do we change on the inside but the outside begins to follow suit We often think, well, let's try and change the outside. And God says, no, I want access to the inside. If I have access to the inside, I will change the outside. But we're so busy trying to conform and trying to change the outside or rearrange the outside and manipulate the circumstance or rearrange the circumstance. But God says, I want on the inside. And if we would but work with God and submit to Him and come in with Him. I'm telling you, that's where the miracles are. God does the miracles inside of us through our release and forgiveness and and anything else and to to trust and having faith and believing God and letting go and saying, God, I let go. And as I begin to do that, watch what God does. It's incredible and uh, amazing when we actually begin to let go of these things. In Psalms 127 verses one, it says, except the Lord build the house, the labor in vain. And and so I must understand that at the end of the day is we can work and work and hollow and work and work, but at the end of the day it's still God that's building the house. We've got to let go. We've got to allow God. It's God that's building the church. It's His church. It belongs to Him. It's His family. The family belongs to Him. It's His marriage. The marriage belongs to Him. It's His children. They're, they're God's kids. We're caretakers and love them to bits. But essentially, we dedicate them as an offering towards the Lord. And we've got to trust God that and, and allow Jesus Christ to be God in our life. And, and Oh, my goodness. And then Jeremiah it says, you know, cursed is the man that trusts the man and, uh, and maketh flesh, the flesh his arm and whose heart uh, departeth from the Lord. And it's saying there for us, at the end of the day, who we are going to trust? We have to trust God in the circumstance. You know, it's not by the might, it's not by natural power, but it's by the sovereign spirit, saith the Lord. And it's time for you and I, I believe, to really begin to trust God and, and to, to trust Him where we can't trace Him and, and allow God to, to be uh, Lord of our lives. There are things in our, uh, uh, around our life that we can't change. They that, that just are, and they don't need to change. We need to change. And there are other things that need to change, and those things we need to be attentive to. We need to say, God, give me this strategy, help me, but I'm not going to get frustrated. There are sometimes when we do get, do get frustration or frustrated, and what frustration. Shin does, it actually propels us to get bitter, uh, to get into the arm of the flesh, or what it does do, it actually, it, it, it drives us into the presence of God, and I think that really it comes down to when the difficulties come, the challenges come around our life, we can either go over, or we can go under, we can either trust him, or we can try and do it ourselves, you know, I, I'm thinking of, uh, there are single people out there uh, listening online, and Maybe it's just like, God, when? When? Just trust him. It'll come to pass. You belong to him. You've dedicated your life. You say, when are my kids going to come back in? When are they going to get saved? And, you know, just praying and praying. Just trust him. There's a difference between parental fear <laughs> and anxiety than biblical trust. We are going to trust kids. Uh, so we're going to trust God for the outcome. We're going to trust the Lord. We're going to believe for the impossible. You say, well, my business, it's not really happening like it used to. And, you know, we've got this COVID dynamic going on. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, is this still whose business is it? Are the bills being paid? Well, great, but whose business is it? It's Christ. In Jesus' name, I want to pray for you right now. Father God, for everybody that's listening online, Lord, I pray for a real uh, special blessing upon them in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, that you'd edify and encourage. This is the new day, this is a day of God, this is a day of breakthrough. God, we just thank you that you're so amazing to us, Lord Jesus, that, Father, you are incredible, and so, Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, thank you right now with great anticipation, you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly above that which we ask and imagine according to your power and your potential that lies within us. Lord, you can rearrange, you can change, you can can transform a situation, Lord God, but our trust and our faith is in you right now. Father, God, we're in the best possible position right here in 2020. We're in the best possible position there is right now trusting God in Jesus name. Father we make you our foundation. Father God you are a refuge the the pillar that we that we lean on Lord God. Father God in Jesus name we pray and Lord I declare a blessing upon your people in Jesus name. Amen. If you enjoyed this message feel free to subscribe and leave a review. would also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website, celebrationraratonga.com. Until next time.